So as we talked about peace this morning, it's interesting because when we look at this American culture, we know the American culture today is this culture of comfort. It's this culture of just, I want to be comfortable. I want to sit back in my easy chair, and we should have easy chairs in church so everyone can relax and put your feet up. And you know, it's gotten to the point nowadays, even if you have a couch in your house, generally the couch has the recliners at the end of it. So you can recline at the end of the couch instead of just sitting on a regular couch. You know, it's this whole thing about comfort. And it's interesting, and it's being sold everywhere that you look. Everywhere you look, it's about comfort. You're encouraged to do what you want to do. You're encouraged to do, you know, what you want to do, when you want to do it, and whoever you want to do it with. That's what the American culture is telling us today. And if something's uncomfortable, what do we do? We avoid it at all costs. We avoid it at all costs. And we got to understand, though, the Christian faith is just that. It is uncomfortable. The Christian faith can be very uncomfortable. And this four-week series, Uncomfortable, is basically the awkward and essential challenge of Christian community. You know, and hopefully it's going to help us to embrace and understand and, and see the beauty and the hope that can come when we are challenged with inside our Christian communities and, when we, and the challenges that we face as God's people, especially in today's culture, being a person of God and doing what God called us to do is very countercultural in today's society. So rather than attempting to kind of say, hey, I, I got this dream church. This is my dream church. We're going to embrace the difficulties of uncomfortable. And it's interesting because, you know, if I had a dream church, we'd have a huge parking lot. Man, our parking lot would be so big, and we'd have a sanctuary that fit like 5,000 people. We could hit like 5,000 people. No matter where you sat, you could see everything, and the house would be full. It'd be so full, we'd have to have more than one service. I think besides that, you know, we'd have a garden outside where we were growing fruits and vegetables so that we could feed the homeless. That we had so many clothes available that if the homeless came in, we could not only clothe them and feed them, but we would have showers to where they could actually take a shower during the week. Man, that's a good dream church, isn't it? We'd outreach. Everyone in the church would be involved in some type of outreach. Everybody would be involved. It's a dream church. It's a dream church. Sunday morning, would, Sunday worship, it would last all day long. We'd come in here and we'd worship God together and we'd hear a message. And then we'd go outside where we had softball fields and soccer fields and football fields and basketball courts and tennis courts and pickleball if you're into pickleball. We'd have all of that out there right here on our property. It would be absolutely amazing. We would spend the day, and you know when Baptists get together, we're going to kill some chicken. We're going to have some fried chicken, and we're going to fellowship together. And it was going to be an every Sunday thing. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? And then when nighttime came, we'd have a big fire pit outside, and we'd light it up, and we'd have a bonfire, and we'd sing Kumbaya. That'd be a perfect church, wouldn't it? That would be perfect. But of course, that's my perfect church, and I guarantee that wouldn't be your perfect church. Wouldn't even probably be remotely close. God bless you. 
wouldn't be even remotely close to being yours because each of us probably has a specific vision of what our perfect church would look like. We probably have the architect, oh, it's going to look like this. All the members are going to be, these are the requirements for someone to be a member. And this is going to be the worship style and the community life. This is what we're going to do and so much more. So I got a question. What's your dream church? What does your dream church look like? I do want to say one thing. We all have a dream church. But I'm willing to bet that this church that you're in right now is nobody's dream church. Nobody's dream church. Guarantee it doesn't check all the boxes on what you say would be a dream church. And you may even be a member here. All of us have this idea. All of us have an idea of what the dream church should be like. But here's the reality. Your dream church is never going to be there. Because we are jacked up and we're messed up people and we're doing life together. So we're never going to have our dream church. We may have some of the boxes checked off, but we're never going to have all the boxes checked off. And that's going to be the focus of this series, Uncomfortable. And you think about, what is coming to church about? It's about coming to church and knowing Jesus, getting to know Jesus even more. And that's, as we look at this series, today we're going to be in two different uh, parts of the Bible. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 9. The other verse we're going to be in is John 12, 25, but we'll, that'll be later into the sermon, so I'll just make sure we got it. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up. If you don't have one, there isn't one in the back of the pew. As a reminder, it will be on the screens up here. And one change we got today, if you're watching online, we got people not only on YouTube Live, but on Facebook Live today. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So if you're watching with us online today, we appreciate you being here, whether you're on YouTube or you're, whether you're on Facebook, we appreciate you being here. Uh, the verses will come across the bottom of the screen for you. Also, just a reminder, we hope that this doesn't replace you being connected to a local church. Being connected to a local church where you can work on your relationship with others and your relationship with Jesus. But we are glad you were here. And uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and dig into God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture... Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Heavenly Father, as we 
dig into your word this morning. Lord, we ask that you open up our eyes so we may see what it is you want us to see. Open our ears so that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may your name be glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here, Peter's writing to various churches at this time, and they're experiencing forms of persecution. They're being persecuted, and he shares what it means to really be the chosen people of God. And, and it's interesting, he says, just like Jesus was the living stone or the cornerstone that was rejected by humans, but chosen by God that was precious to him, us as Christians are called to be living stones. We're called to be living stones that are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That is exactly what we're called to do. So I think the first thing we actually see in this scripture is church is not about your preferences. It is not about your preferences. It is about knowing Jesus. That's what church is about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. That's what church is all about. And Peter is actually presenting this image as of a community that's focused entirely on Jesus. Focused entirely on Jesus. And it's a community, community that puts aside personal preferences. It puts aside quarrels. It puts us away from our own comfort zones for the sake of Jesus. For the sake of becoming living stones. Remember, Jesus as the cornerstone as a cornerstone in today's world, we would call it the foundation. And a foundation is laid, and then the bricks are laid on top of that foundation. And everything gets connected in, the, in biblical times with the cornerstone. Everything was connected to the cornerstone, which kept the building upright. And that's the same way we are today. We're the bricks inside this community the living stones that are connected to the cornerstone or the foundation, and our foundation should be Jesus Christ. That should be the only foundation we have is Jesus Christ. And you think about the, the entire nation that he's talking about was called this holy nation, and their job was to declare praises, declare praises and be called out of the darkness into this miraculous light. That's what we're called to do. That's what we are called to do. It's all about knowing Jesus and about worshiping him as our king. Because he is our king, he is our savior. And unfortunately, this is very contradictory to a consumerist approach of Christian community. You know, the consumer approach which places our own personal desires in front of Jesus' personal desires. It applies our personal desires for what a church should be like. And we end up putting our personal desires on the throne instead of keeping Jesus on the throne because we get too worried about ourselves. You know, think about this. There's a point in the Gospels when Jesus reveals he's going to die. He reveals he's going to die, and Peter promptly rebukes him. You can't die. And you think about it, well, Jesus, you can't die because... They're expecting him to come in and conquer the Romans so that they can sit on the throne and get out of Roman oppression. And as Peter starts to rebuke Jesus for talking about dying, Jesus basically tells him to can it. Get behind me, Satan. And he follows it up with these words in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it 
but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And you see, as Christians, we define this as, oh, I'm dying to myself. I've got to die to myself. And unfortunately, we love to use this. We probably use it very often. I hear it all the time. Well, I'm dying to myself, pastor. You know, and, and for the most part, it's just a poetic abstraction. That's all it is. It's a poetic abstraction, and it's a form of sp spiritual idealism. And it's, it's difficult to convince. It's a, it's a difficult conviction to hold when our culture philosophy focuses on ourselves. It focuses on our individual pursuit of our own personal happiness and our own joy. Well, this is what bring, makes me happy. This is what makes me joy, so this is what I should do. But that's not what Jesus and his words say. Think about in the incarnation, Jesus laid his deity and identity with human, laid his deity aside to be, to be human. And at Calvary, he laid down that human life for us. Christ died for us. He laid down his life for us. And in both actions, he laid aside his deity and laid aside his personal preferences to do the will of the Father. See, but in a culture, in the economy that we have today that operates on consumption and acquisition, it's difficult to convince us as Christians to renounce anything. You mean I got to give up something? You mean I can't do that? You know, in fact, think about it. As an American Christian, if most American Christians are asked to give up something for the sake of someone else, it's interpreted as persecution. Oh, woe's me, I'm being persecuted. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm being persecuted. Got a newsflash for you. You live in America. You are not being persecuted for your faith. You want to see people persecuted for their faith, go overseas. They're getting persecuted for their faith. We will call we're being persecuted for our faith because we're not getting to do what we want to do. That's not being persecuted for your faith. That's doing what Jesus calls us to do. Not being about us, but being about him. And we have to face the reality that our dream church doesn't exist. No dream church exists because we're all messed up, jacked up people trying to do life together. The reign of King Jesus, however, is real and it's eternal. And that's what we got to put our hope in. Becoming living stones, seeking him in everything that we do. And it's interesting, like Charles Spurgeon actually said this. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect... I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Being imperfect people, coming into the perfect love of God, we're going to bring imperfections with us. It's going to happen. And all who have first given their lives to the Lord, if someone has given their life to Jesus Christ, they should become a part of a church family. They should get involved in a church. And just like I always say, you know, if people are watching online, don't let it be a replacement of being connected to a local church. A local church is where we're able to build relationships with others and build our relationship with Jesus Christ. And a lot of times people get connected to a church and then they want it all about them. It's not all about us. It is about doing what Jesus calls us to do. It's about getting uncomfortable and stretching our tents and being obedient to what God's word says.
And in today's culture, that's a hard thing to do. It is very hard in today's culture to be able to put me aside and say, I'm doing what Jesus calls me to do. Because we all want to be happy. That's what the culture says. Be happy. Be joyful. Do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want to do it. But that isn't what God's Word tells us to do. It does tell us that we're going to have an abundant life through Him. But it does not say it's going to be all joy and happiness. It's going to be uncomfortable as we walk through this life. You know? And it's easier to take a consumerist approach when you're looking at church. Well, do I like the worship that they're doing? Is the preaching entertaining enough for me? Is, it, is, it, is the preaching going to be about me? Is it going to tell me about me and how to live my promises and how I'm going to prosper? Not in this church. Maybe the church down the street might be a better fit. You know, I really don't know. We allow a market mindset to influence our spiritual lives. We allow the world to get into our business. And we become less, and it becomes less about serving God, and it becomes more about finding a community that serves your own desires. Well, because I don't like this, I'm not going to join this church. Well, I don't like this at this church, so I'm not going to join this church. Oh, well, I don't like this, but I do like this, but I don't like this. And, we, you know, it's, can I get one on Amazon? Can I find the perfect church on Amazon, have it sent to me prime, get it next day before 10 a.m.? Yeah, that's what we look at. Everything is a click of a button and it's instant gratification in today's world. And that's not what the church is called to be. It's not going to be instant gratification. It's not going to be about you. It's not going to be about the consumer look that the world has today. It's going to be uncomfortable. And church should be collectively collectively about us spurring each other on, helping each other with our mess-ups, helping each other with where we may not be right in the world, helping each other who is messed up and jacked up to know that they're loved because each one of us are loved no matter how messed up and jacked up we are. Jesus Christ still died on the cross for you and he still died on the cross for me. No matter what my life was, no matter what you're doing now in your life, Jesus still died for you. The world out there can't say that. They cannot say that, and they'll go and tell you, oh, be happy. How are you going to be happy? Well, here, have another drink. How are you going to be happy? Well, here, take some of these drugs. How are you going to be happy? Well, hey, if you go to this doctor, or you go here and you go there, you can go, just go to Disney World, the happiest place on earth, until you have to stand in line for a couple hours with little kids. Ain't nothing happy about it no more. <laughs> Definitely ain't nothing happy about it no more. So, but we're called to be in the likeness of Christ, and we need to work with each other to help each other get to that likeness of Christ. We may not always agree, but we always, our focus should always be Jesus Christ and his word. And rather than trying to conform communities about our own preferences, we need to be seeking Jesus first. And in John 12, 25, it says, He who loves this life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life, which takes us to our next point. The Christian life is supposed to be uncomfortable, so embrace it. Embrace the uncomfort. Embrace the uncomfortable, because that's, that's how it is. It's uncomfortable. And, and understand, what he's saying here is that the, 
that if you love the comforts of this life above all else, you're going to lose the comforts of eternal life. You're going to lose the comforts of eternal life if you're so worried about today. This life is not all there is. The life that we're living now is not all there is. Some of you may think, oh, this is all I got. This isn't all it is. Eternal life is so much bigger. So much bigger than what we think of. And you know, most people, oh, eternity. Well, if you, if you look at a pencil, you, most of you have a pencil in the back of the pure frame. Look at the eraser on that pencil. The eraser is your life on earth. The rest of that pencil is eternity. That's a whole long time, isn't it? That's a lot longer than the eraser on that pencil. And we get so stuck on this little part that we're here in this life, on this earth, that we want happiness and joy, that we miss what's coming eternally. We miss the joys that we're going to have for the rest of our lives. Seeing Jesus face to face, walking on streets of gold. I bet there's going to be some good fishing in heaven. Because you know them, them lakes are going to be stocked. There's going to be some good barbecue too because the Bible says it's aroma pleasing to the Lord. So that's got to be barbecue. Come on now. Somebody. <laughs> Life isn't all it is. It's interesting. The author of the book, Unforgettable, uh, Uncomfortable. Wow, Unforgettable. The author of the book, Uncomfortable, um, which actually kind of gave me this series, he said this, following Christ is not one's golden ticket to a white picket fence American dream. It's an invitation to die and pick up a cross. And C.S. Lewis actually put it this way, and I love this quote. I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If I want a religion to make, if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Understand what these two are both saying is that it's easy to find basic happiness and comfort. But living a Christian life and being part of a Christian community requires making sacrifices and the ability to feel uncomfortable but ultimately help to seek Jesus and be more like Jesus. And it's a trade-off that's worth it. Even Jesus says, what do you have to lose in order to follow him? What's it going to cost you? It's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you everything. And if you listen to any of the last four sermons in the series marked, you've heard it every week. Follow me. What does it cost? It costs everything. It costs everything to follow Jesus. And if you happen to miss them, you can go back, go to our website, you can go to YouTube and watch the videos from our last series. But it costs us everything to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We've got to give up who we are to be a follower of him. And understand that we grow by leaving our comfort zones. If you sit in a comfort zone, you're not going to grow. Leaving your comfort zone is what creates them challenges, and it should cause a challenge to you to stretch your faith. Think about this. Anyone who's got a skill, if you're a carpenter, maybe you're a, a former athlete or you're an athlete in school now, you know, even on jobs, every one of us has a skill. How do we get that skill? By doing it over and over again, by stretching ourselves, by challenging ourselves, by challenging ourselves to be that much better. If you're playing a sport, you're challenging yourself to be faster and maybe a better shot. If you're a carpenter, you're challenging yourself to build better, beautiful things. Everything we do, we have to challenge ourselves and we have to stretch ourselves, and that's how we grow. If each one of us started a job 
and never challenged ourselves to learn more, do better, or anything like that, would we still have that job today? Probably not. Probably not because we would have never grown. And guess what? Someone else would have grown. Someone else would have got uncomfortable to learn something to be able to continue to move forward. You know, if you're an electrician, day one, you find out, hey, I plugged it in. Oh, the light didn't come on. Well, it don't work. You've got to learn more about why didn't it come on. You know, so you're going to have to stretch yourself. And guess what? You're going to have to get shocked a couple times. But that's part of that uncomfortableness that you have to grow in. There's times you may be a sprinter, you may be a football player, that you're going to get knocked over. Someone's going to ring your bell. And what do you do? You get up and you keep going. It's not how many times you fall down, it's how many times you get up. And some of us hit the ground and we're just, oh, I'm comfortable here now, I'm going to stay. But we got to continue to get up and we got to continue to move, move forward in everything that we do. You know, we, we need to hold our beliefs more clear and pursue our goals more passionately and know that it's going to come with a cost. Know that following Jesus is going to come with a, come with a cost. And this is totally reverse of what the society tells us. Culture says, be comfortable. But we need to get uncomfortable in our lives each and every day with Jesus. And we need to understand that those who are unwilling to get uncomfortable generally just end up quitting. I'm not good enough for this. Oh, that church ain't for me. Well, I didn't get my way, so I'm leaving there. I'm going somebody, someplace else. And understand, these are the people who ain't going to win the medals. When you give up, you don't win the medals, and you don't create a lasting significance or a legacy behind yourself because you just continue to move on. They're not the ones who build a church. The people who build a church are the ones who are the builders and the changers of this world are the ones who will get outside of their comfort zone to seek God and seek everything and seek something greater than what they currently have. And sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes, well, you know, I've done that. I did that already. I'm in my twilight years. I can relax now. You should never relax. We always got to be uncomfortable. We always got to be seeking to improve and seeking to better where we are for those coming behind us. We want to leave a legacy for our children, for our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And to do that, we need to get uncomfortable. We need to continue to push each and every day in our lives. Because if we don't continue to push each and every day in our lives, it's just going to fall. And what legacy are you going to leave your family? None. None whatsoever. So instead of avoiding the truth, we should embrace it. And we need to press for that joy of doing uh, to ourselves and living for Jesus. We should live for him in everything we do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually said, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be very honest, earnest, and sacrificial. What if we gave up our dream church? What if you gave up your idea of a dream church? You think about talking about, you know, when I was up here earlier talking about my dream church, it's basically an exercise in futility. What do you think the chances are that there is a church like I described? Zero, exactly. There's probably zero chance. And you really think about it, it's kind of like a gospel denial. The church doesn't exist to meet my comfort zone. It doesn't exist for me. Oh, I'd like to have this, I'd like to have this, I'd like to have this. 
That's not what the church is here for. It's not designed for my comfort zone. It's designed for us to lead people to Jesus Christ. And we should destabilize our own preferences and seek to him. We need to jostle our view of what we think it should be, be very countercultural of what the world tells us to do, and seek first the kingdom of God. That's what we're to do. Seek the kingdom of God first, not seek Ken Baker first. It's not about seeking me, it's about seeking him. And I need to be uncomfortable each and every day of my life as I seek him. Because if I'm uncomfortable, I know I'm growing. If I get too comfortable, I'm going to fall asleep. And then when I fall asleep, I'm going to miss something. And God's going to use somebody else. And some of us are just falling asleep. We need to look outside of ourselves. We need to put outside our personal comfort and come to the cross. Come to the cross each and every day. Come to the cross each and every day. And it means worshiping together, preaching the entire counsel of the Bible, whether it's agreed with in culture or not agreed with in culture, we're going to preach the entire Bible in here. It don't matter what the world says. The world, oh, that ain't what the world says. That's okay. That's what God's word says, and I'm living by God's word. And that's how we got to be. It means cultivating diversity, pushing back from what we may personally think and seeking to engage everyone around us. Seek to engage everyone around us and say, hey, how can I help you today? How can I help you today? I had a post on Facebook not too long ago, and someone actually asked me, well, how are you going to communicate with a heathen nation? And my response was very simple. Start out by saying, hey, how are you? How can I help you today? Gee, that's an amazing concept, isn't it? And that's stretching. Because in most cases, you go, man, they're having a bad day. And you're going to walk, man, I ain't messing with that. Engage it. Actually engage. Hey, how are you? How can I assist you today? And you may not be able to assist them. Sometimes just listening. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we talk. Some of us talk three times as much as we listen. And I'm, unfortunately, men, I'm going to pick on you guys for a second because I'm one of you. As a man... The first thing we do is someone starts to talk, and what are we going to do? Wait, hold up. Here's what you got to do to fix it. Well, I'm not done yet. Well, that's okay. Here's how you fix it. We're so quick on wanting to fix everything that we don't listen to what someone has to say. And it's funny because you can ask Patty. Patty will tell you. I will ask her when she starts to say something. I'll say, well, hold up. Do you want me to listen or do you want me to fix it? And I'll tell you why I say that, ultimately, because if she says fix it, she's going to get about two sentences out, and I'm going to say, well, here's what you got to do. If she says listen, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to listen to everything she's got to say and let her get whatever it is out. Because as men, we just want to fix it and move on. That's what we're engaged to do. But we need to listen, and as a man, we need to listen even more. And as a man of Christ, we really need to listen more and get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable for what Jesus calls us to do. Think about this. What if, what if God was as fickle as we are? Can you imagine God being as fickle as us? Well, you nation of Israel, I love you, you're my chosen people, but you made me mad. You didn't do what I told you to do. You were disobedient. Coop, get out. I'm going to go over here to the Canaanites or the Philistines or the Egyptians. Can you imagine if God did that? But we'll do that in a heartbeat. 
but we're supposed to be Christ-like. So we're supposed to act like God and do what God's word says. Thank God he isn't like us. Thank God he isn't like us. Imagine if every time we didn't listen to God, he kicked us to the curb. That's it, I'm going to go find somebody else. And some of us do that in life. Well, I don't like what this God says, so I'm going to go find me another God. I don't like what this church has to say, so I'm going to go find a church that makes me feel good. I don't like this, so I'm going to go do this. That's not how we do life as Christians. That's not how we do community. We get uncomfortable when we move forward with one goal, Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God. That's where our focus should always be. That's where our focus should always be and understand that we're never going to get what we want and it's going to be awkward and we're going to get stretched and there's going to be things we don't like, but that's okay. There's things you don't like in your own marriage. There's things you don't like in your own marriage. But how do you work it out? You communicate. You communicate and it's never about you. Because if you're in a relationship, it's not about you. It's both of you joined together, and that's the same way it should be inside a church, where we're joined together going for one common goal. One common goal. Okay, well, Scott, it is about Helen, okay, just so you know. <laughs> but by God's grace and the Holy Spirit, we can make life work. We can make life continue to go forward. And 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7 actually says, You rejoice in this even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Praise God for that. We need to be those living stones. We need to be those bricks that are joined together with the mortar of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that build a temple to God. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. And if we're all secured to the cornerstone to Jesus Christ, nothing can take us down. Nothing can take us down. Weak stones may fall out but we need to remember to stay connected to that cornerstone. Stay connected to Jesus Christ and everything that we do and embrace the awkwardness that comes with people because people are awkward. Admit it. Every one of us knows someone who's awkward, and if you don't know anyone who's awkward, look in the mirror. It might be you. And don't be pointing at each other because I might call you out. <laughs> We're all awkward. I know I'm awkward. I, whew, I know I'm awkward. You know, some of us, well, I don't like to sing. And I feel sorry for, for Brenda and Mike over here. Because when I got to stand over there and sing during worship, they got to hear me. So I really feel bad. And I know I can't sing well because if I sing at home, Patty throws things at me and my dogs start howling. So I really feel sorry. And Brenda's shaking her head, I'm, I, you know. I feel sorry because I can't sing. I really wish we all had voices of angels. Good thing it says make a joyful noise. Amen to that, because I know I don't, it's a noise. <laughs> but we just need to come together. We come together, we continue going, and we need to embrace that uncomfortableness. So what if you gave up your dream church? 
What if you gave up your idea of a dream church? What if we stopped trying to find fault in our Christian community and instead we embrace the discomfort that comes with it? We embrace the discomfort that comes in life. In order to know Jesus and be known by his people, we really need to give up and reject that consumerist me, me, me attitude. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me, myself, and I, the three most important people in my life. But that's the attitude a lot of us have. We need to lay aside our preferences, and we need to enter into that awkwardness. Enter into the awkwardness, give up our own desires, and seek to be just like Jesus. The Christian faith calls us to the foot of the cross. That's where we're to be. And it's level ground at the foot of the cross. We're all there together. You know, next week we're going to dig into actually Jesus' example and focus on that uncomfortableness and the sacrifice of that Christian faith, um, what it calls us to embrace. So we're going to dig into what Jesus has to say about it next week. So I encourage you to come back next week so we can see what Jesus, what our Lord and Savior talks about uncomfortableness. Because he does talk about it. But today, I think we need some confession time. I think we need some time to really tell the Lord that we need to give up that idea of our own self. We need to give up ourselves that we need a community that pleases us instead of a community that seeks to please him. And I think we all get caught up in this. We all need to understand that if he is our cornerstone, that should be the focus of everything we do. Everything we do should focus on Jesus Christ. Not on us. Not on my preference. Not on your personal preference. But our focus should be on him. Our focus should be on what he calls us to do. And that is to spread the gospel. That is to seek the lost. To feed the homeless. Take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. That's what we're called to do. I'm not called to make myself happy. Jesus calls me to go out there and make disciples of all nations. Jesus calls me not to make it about myself, but to make it about everybody else. And that's what we should do. Our focus needs to be out there, not in here. And I think some of us may need, just need to come up and, Lord, I need to confess it's been about me. It's been about me. It's been about myself. It's been about I and not about you. And during the final song, there'll be time to come up here and just sit at the altar and take that time with him. Take that time with Jesus and tell him, Lord, open up my heart so I can break, so I can embrace the uncomfortableness of Christian community. Because none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We will not be perfect until we see Jesus face to face. And for some of you, you may say, well, I don't really know this Jesus, or I haven't made a relationship with him. During this final song, I invite you to come up. Because the same thing, if you're waiting to be perfect, it's never going to happen. And God's words say that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. That includes me. It also says that God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. Embrace the uncomfortableness. Embrace it. There may be someone in your family who looks at you and, oh, you're one of them Christians. And then what we do is we don't embrace that uncomfortableness with our own family members. And we just try and make sure they're happy. Is their happiness here on earth today worth their eternity in hell? Think about that. Is someone's happiness today worth eternity in hell? Or should we embrace that awkwardness and be uncomfortable and tell them about Jesus? Some of us need to get uncomfortable because we've sat in our comfy chairs for too long. So like I said during this final song, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, come up front. We'll come and see me. We'll pray about it. We'll lead you through that prayer of salvation and you can be saved today and walk out this room a different person and go embrace the uncomfortableness that comes with following Jesus in a culture that says it's all about me when you realize it's not about you. And maybe you just need to come up and leave it here at the altar and embrace the uncomfortableness that Jesus calls us to do. I don't know what it is, but you do. And so does he. So Heavenly Father, as we take this time together, Lord, I... I just ask that you raise up this congregation, Lord. Lord, that they will embrace being uncomfortable for you. Lord, that we will know it's not about us and that we will eliminate that cultural me mentality in our lives and that we will seek you in the kingdom first. Because, Lord, you should always be first in our life. Lord, I ask you that you raise this church up to be uncomfortable, that they will stretch for you that they will seek you and that they will overcome being comfortable for you. Because, Lord, it is all about you. And, Lord, if someone doesn't know you, that they will make that move, that they will come up and accept you as their Lord and Savior today, Lord. And, Lord, may you continue to be with us and may you be glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.